0: Welcome everyone to your ongoing journey or leap into a new world of opportunity. Inside Japan Podcast is a stepping stone for your next adventure. It is a show filled with informative interviews, perspectives on local life, and how you can master your path into the unknown. For today kick back, and listen to the wisdom of our host, James.
1: James here coming through with episode number 118 of the Inside Japan podcast, if you can believe it. As always, brought to you by JobsInJapan.com, the best place for you to go if you want to find your first job in Japan, your next job in Japan, or your best job in Japan. JobsInJapan.com is where you gotta be, my friends. And this episode is with Tony, and Tony is a, a great listen because he did something a lot of people want to do right in many ways many different avenues here many different steps of his career through japan he's in his home country he says you know what japan's pretty cool i want to do something with japan he did then he decided to leave japan but he said you know what i want to use my experience in japan to get a job in that field as well and he took some steps to make sure that happened so while you're not, you might not be able to you know, copy the exact same steps as Tony here, you can learn from how he took the initiative and he put the effort in to make sure he can continue his, you know, time in Japan, parentheses, because, even though he's not in Japan anymore. Because a lot of people worry about that or, like, if I go back to my home country, my Japan, like, time is over. But that doesn't have to be the case as long as you're willing to make it happen. And Tony of JapanKyo.com and the Japan Station podcast made it happen. Also, should let you know, I was a guest on his show, at which you can find at japankyo.com. I'll put the link in the show notes page, of course, so go check that out if you want to hear me being asked questions for once. But without further ado, let's get to it. My interview with Tony of japankyo.com. Enjoy. Hi, guys. Very special guest today. His name is Tony. He's doing some cool things in Japan. How are you doing today, Tony? Good, good, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Cool, cool. Yeah. So you have another podcast yourself. You are the runner and manager and everything of Japan Station Podcast. How you, how's that going?
2: Oh, it's it's going great. It's been fun. Yeah, I'm doing Japan Station and a, a couple other podcasts too, all through uh, japankyo.com.
1: Okay. So yeah, just a little hint here. I'll be on that podcast as well in the future. So stay tuned for that. Uh, maybe at the same time, this one comes out. But Tony, let's learn a little bit about you. We got to get people excited about hearing you on the show here. So tell us a little bit about you and what you're all about.
2: Uh, Sure. So Let's see. I mean, aside from the podcast and the website, I currently uh, work as the editor in chief of a magazine published in Hawaii. Uh, It's called Wasabi Magazine, and and you know, I mean, I think you can guess by the name. Yeah, that does have something to do with Japan. We cover some Hawaii and Japan related stuff. But uh, I was in Japan from 2010 to 2013 on the jet program uh, in Kobe, and before then, I was also in Osaka studying abroad, and I've been going back. forth ever since, um, at least once a year, usually. Uh, and currently I'm I'm living in Hawaii, as as I mentioned.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So what was kind of your, your hook into Japan then? I mean, what was kind of the thing that got you kind of into interested in the Japan world, just living in, in Hawaii or what?
2: No. So, okay. So I was born in New York, uh, and, uh, I think from an early age, I was just kind of exposed to Asian culture in general, but, uh, it, yeah, I mean, video games, of course, there was that. There was some Nintendo, some Sega and all that early on. But uh, I, at the age of 10, I moved to Peru for a couple of years because my family is originally from Peru. Uh, and there I got even more kind of exposed to uh, Japanese culture and anime. They were showing anime there on just normal TV before anime blew up in the U.S., uh, and, uh, so I watched things like Captain Tsubasa, Saint Seiya, Dragon Ball, stuff like that, and kept playing video games. I had cousins that are kind of like half Japanese. Uh, and so I, I, I was kind of exposed to all this stuff without fully understanding, like, Japan or really much, you know, what, where exactly Japan is and all this kind of stuff. But then I moved to Florida, and in high school, I had the chance to study Japanese. And so I did, and in university, I I just kept going with it and graduate school and all that stuff. Okay. So then
1: I want to know what you get. You graduate, you know, university, and now you want to do something with Japan. What steps did you take at that point to kind of, you know, do something related to Japan?
2: So I... In 2007 to 2008, I had studied abroad for a year in Osaka, and I knew I wanted to go back uh, somehow. Uh, and so I started looking at options, um, teaching, of course, uh, but also graduate school. Uh, I did apply to a, a graduate school program in Kyoto, uh, and that didn't end up working out. I, I think I ended up spending like maybe $200 or something on the application. So I never got that oh, back. That's a ripoff. It's so <laughs> <You boring. know? laughs> yeah. And then I had to have like a friend's friend go to the actual university to look at the posting, <laughs> like the physical posting. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, anyway, so that did work out. And I, 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 after I graduated from university in, in Florida, um, it was like in December. So it was still kind of, that's not a good season to, you know, start applying to stuff. So I had kind of yeah. a, I was kind of in limbo. Um, so I decided to go to Japan for like three months to just try to get a job on tourist visa. Let's see if I can do something. And I stayed at a friend's house and uh, I applied to tons of stuff, m- like 99% teaching. Uh, yeah, that didn't work out.
1: <laughs> okay, so what, what, that was 2008-ish or so, you said? Yeah, yeah, that, that was. Uh, okay. so that's like, I mean, yeah. that's back in the day, like when I yeah. first got to Japan, that was like very common. People would just come to Japan. Yeah. You know, whatever. Just apply to everything and they usually could get something. So you did not get anything during that little three month stint. <laughs> did
2: thing. not did not. Thankfully <laughs> I had a place to stay, so that didn't cost me money. Um so it, it was it was a nice three months in Japan. And but anyway, so <laughs> so I went back to Florida. Already I already understood that there was a relatively low chance that this would work out. I was already thinking about Jet, maybe Interact. So I applied to both Jet and Interact. Um and I, I I end up getting Jet but I also get an offer to an interview with Interact and I was going to go to the interview and I decide to go do it in Chicago um, even though there was probably a closer one just because I had never been to Chicago and I thought I'd get a trip out of it. So, you know, I know it was on my money, but still I get to visit Chicago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so me and a friend end up going to Chicago, but um, I decide to just not do the interview. I called him ahead of time and told him that, nah, you know what, I'm okay. I, I have another option. And thankfully, Jeff wow, ended up working hold on, out.
1: hold on, hold on, hold on. A lot yes, of you yes, are flipping yes. out right now. Yes, a lot yes. of you are really, <laughs> Yes, I <laughs> you know, the I know. Gold gold in the hand of the jet yes. interview which is something people spend no. a lot of time a lot of work to get and you said you called them up no. and said no So thanks. i called
2: wow. no i called interact to tell them no but i oh, went okay, forward okay, okay. with jet i went forward with jet oh, okay sorry i was messed up yeah. excuse me yeah, yeah, I yeah, thought yeah, yeah. Was The other way. okay, <laughs> okay. so that makes I, more sense yeah yeah i wanted jet interact was my backup and i i was maybe i was cocky say whatever you want but i thought you know what i'm just gonna put all my chips on jet and yeah, okay. thankfully it, it did end up working out. And mm-hmm. I, in 2010, I ended up going to Kobe.
1: Okay, cool. So now you mm-hmm. got the golden, the, the jet dream was alive with Tony here and you got in there. Yeah. And uh, so then you go to Japan, you're on jet. How was your jet experience? It, you know, put it
2: succinctly, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, there was good and bad. Uh, you know what? It, it just depends on, on which school you're talking about. I had some absolutely wonderful experiences at some, uh, and that at one particular school, it was really, it, it, there were many times when it was quite frustrating. So it just depends on the teacher in the school, but yeah. I, I am overall, I am glad that I went, but I mean, we can get into it in more detail if you want.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's get, let's get, you know, clickbait here. This is the internet. Yeah. Talk about what
2: was bad about your experience at that school. Uh, okay. So, um, I, I worked at three schools and, um, my base school was a junior high. And uh, then I, I worked once a week at an elementary school, and I worked two times a week at a school for the blind. And uh, the the one that wasn't good was the junior high. And I, I think like what I'm gonna say really is nothing new to many people that have been in this sort of situation. But you know there was a lot of like free time that I did end up using to study Japanese and try to keep myself busy. But it was frustrating in the sense that, you know, I'm, I'm there, I, I did want to do a good job, I did want to contribute, I did want to feel like a part of the team. And many times that just didn't seem to be meshing with the priorities of many of the teachers there. um And, and you know, th- there was a lot of students. I wanted to spend more time with them, you know, help them out more, but it it was always awkward. There were always like teachers that for example, there was one that was my, uh, the person in charge of the ALTs because there were two ALTs most of the time at that school. And she would be like, Oh, I forgot to tell you there's a party tonight. Oh, I forgot to tell you, like, there's a big ceremony. It was this morning. Like, and and they go like, you (laughs) could have told me this like yesterday. Like, (laughs) so, you know, it, it, it really felt like I was an afterthought in, in some ways at that school. Um, mm-hmm. I did have some nice moments, but overall like that was not the school that made me stay three years. Right.
1: Okay. Yeah. 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 Not that bad. That's a kind of common thing. It's not, that's not the worst story by, by far, but yeah, it definitely happened before they like, kind of like, Oh yeah, we forgot about Tony. <laughs> Crap. Yeah. who's gonna tell him? You know, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. And there's a party tonight, and it's you know four thousand yen. Yes, do you want to yes. come? You know, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wasn't planning to spend that much tonight, <laughs> but okay, I guess I have to.
1: <laughs> yeah, that definitely happens. Okay, so yeah, three yeah. years of Jet is up. You, you did mm-hmm. three. The, at that time, it was full three years, right? You
2: couldn't do five yet, right? Uh, no, there was the option to extend, but it, it wasn't a, a guarantee. Uh okay, But yeah. I, I. I you know, I wasn't thinking that I would do five years ever. Um, you know, I was probably thinking two or three and, uh, because of a couple of the other schools, the school for the blind and the elementary school, I thought I'd stay and, and I ended up doing the third year.
1: Okay. Okay. So then Mm
2: -hmm. now you come to the
1: crossroads of a lifetime jet is over. You decide to cut the cord of this nice and gentle, (laughs) soft pillow of jet. And then what do you do?
2: Uh, OK, so here's uh, I've, I've got an interesting story here that um, I don't. Yeah, I've never told anybody this story, at least in public. But uh, so I started looking for jobs in Japan because I, I do love being in Japan and I wasn't necessarily uh, like I was fine with going back to the US, but I was also totally fine with staying in Japan, given the proper circumstances. So, um, you know, I, I go to like, hello, work and I start looking around, you know, like jobs online and all that. And really, I, I wasn't finding anything that was exciting me. Um, I wasn't uh, thinking that I wanted to continue teaching English at that point. I wanted to try something else. Uh, and so eventually, I, I decided that I, I'm going to go to the U.S. to do graduate school. Um, and eventually, I end up doing Japanese language and linguistics at the University of Hawaii. But before all that was clear in my head, I, I started looking uh, also at jobs in Miami, Florida, where I was going back to and i heard about um i don't know maybe it must have been an email that somebody sent me uh the japanese consulate in miami was looking for a full-time employee i believe they were going to be doing mainly visa type stuff and this was around the end of my third year on jet so it must have been around april or may and i apply and they want me to go for an interview physically uh so I'm in Kobe and uh, they tell me like, you know, we're, we're, we like your, your resume, you know, we'd like to have you over if you can make it. OK, so I did have some days off that I could take. So I, I must have taken like about a week off. I go back to Miami. I do the interview um, and it's like three Japanese people across from me. And the interview is like completely in Japanese because you have to uh, be bilingual to, to do the job because you're dealing with, you know, Japanese and English speakers. Uh, it was... Like it kind of had the vibe of a jet interview, almost, you know, like how there's multiple people talking to you. Uh, And I think there was one guy, the American guy, that was a former jet there as well. And so it was it must have been like 15 or 20 minutes. We talk. It was fine. Um, And then, you know, I I have a time afterwards to get a description of the job with the American guy. He kind of runs through it. Uh, and so I I go home and I wait and within a few days I get a call back and they told me like oh well we decided to go with someone else because uh, they thought you were overqualified, and so, <laughs> so yeah I I mean the idea was it seems um, that they wanted somebody that they didn't have to worry about quitting in the near future. And to be perfectly honest, I wasn't thinking that I would be there more than a year. So, you know, hey, whatever it worked out for them, I guess it worked out for me. But um, it was rather strange to say like, oh, you're, you're too good for this. <laughs> I <was> like, OK, <laughs> I guess you could have told me that before I spent the money to come back to Florida and then go back to Japan and, and then, you know, uh, run out the rest of my contract to then later go back to Florida. <laughs>
1: I know. Wow, that's a, that's a lot of chunk of change there, just yeah, going down the drain. But yeah, it
2: was, it was. And it, it's it's an interesting experience. But anyway, yeah, it. it I, I guess the interview experience was good experience too. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what's next though? Um, so I, um, you know, applying for uh, graduate school. It has you know very strict schedule, and I hadn't begun the year before because things were not clear for me. I hadn't decided exactly what I wanted to do yet. Um, So I I had to wait another year to get into the fall semester uh, of um, the graduate school that I was hoping to get into, again, University of Hawaii. So I went back to working as, um, I was, before I went to Japan on jet, I was teaching Japanese after school at a, it was like a karate dojo that they had an after school program. And part of it was teaching Japanese to the kids. So I went back to that job. I was doing that part time. Uh, as I was applying for scholarships and the graduate school. And uh, thankfully, I, I again, maybe I was uh, putting all my chips on one thing again, but I, I went for the University of Hawaii. I did get in. Uh, and so then, about one year after I had come back from Japan, I uh, moved to Hawaii from Florida.
1: Wow. Okay. So, two questions here. So, you were teaching Japanese in America then, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty, I mean, how
1: do you, what's your qualifications to get that kind of job? What I mean, I don't even know the job, what's the job field like? What's it, what's the requirements to get that job? And is there any kind of JLPT you got to get? What's the, what's the deal there?
2: Uh, well, okay. So the, the good thing about uh, South Florida is that there aren't that many Japanese speakers to be competing with in the first place. So that, that's, mm-hmm. you know, something in, in your favor if you speak Japanese at a high level and, and there's that sort of um, vacancy. But um, the other thing is I was recommended by my Japanese teacher. Um and uh or well she she sent me the email she said you'd be good for this and so then the owner of the dojo heard from her, Uh, and so I didn't have a JLPT um anything at I I actually don't have that I only have like um well it's like an oral proficiency thing that's a different organization um that I did and anyway but my. I I, I've studied Japanese for over 20 years I was very proficient at that point in time uh, and my my Japanese teacher vouched for me and and so like it all ended up working out but um, I yeah I didn't have any like certificate or anything like that.
1: I okay, just like if you can show you can do it and get the referral, obviously, it's easier to get. But I, I yeah. guess your mileage may vary where you are in, Japan, in America, right?
2: Definitely. Yeah. Like if yeah. you're here in Hawaii, for example, there are many, many, many native Japanese speakers. So it's much tougher to to compete in that sort of situation for that yeah, kind sense. of job. Yeah,
1: like a like a truly bad interviewer. I want to make sure I don't gloss over the point you said. You, so you did you did jet, um in uh, bl- School for the Blind. So, I mean, yes. I, I think that's an interesting point to go into a little bit, too. So what's uh-huh. that like and how do you go about lessons in a School for the Blind?
2: Okay, so uh, when I arrived in Japan uh, for JET, I was assigned to the junior high that I mentioned earlier and an elementary school. But uh, around the midpoint of the first year, they ask you, uh, what do you want to do the following school year? Do Do you want us to move you to a different school? Do you want to stay in the school? And you put in your request, and then they decide. So when it came time for me to say what I wanted to do, um, I, I ended up requesting to be put at the school for the blind because I had heard from the person that had been working there before uh, about it. And I, I'm legally blind. Um, and so it, it just, there was something about it. Like I, I had, I was not born blind. I never went to a school for the blind. Um, it's, this is something that happened when I, right around the time that I graduated high school. So I don't, At the time i didn't have much of a connection to any sort of visually impaired community and it took me a while to kind of come to terms with my own kind of abilities and the new ways i had to do things um, in order to get things done and i like i kind of saw it as an opportunity for me to grow as a person as well but also to um maybe do something that you know, I, I'm in a unique position. I'm this foreigner with a visual impairment. Maybe I can show these kids that have visual impairments as well that, hey, maybe you can do like what I'm doing now. And you don't have to just be limited to what you think you can do. And th- thankfully they they gave me the opportunity. Um, and that school ended up being like the, the most wonderful school I, I've ever worked at. Um, and it, it's really the number one reason why I stayed a third year because um for one the classes are tiny um 1 to 3 students is usually what you get and uh so of course you can do highly personalized classes Um, And and you can make adjustments. For example, there are some students that are totally blind. There are some students that can see more than I can. There are some students that can see less than I can, but are not totally blind. So you make adjustments and you design, you know, certain games, whether it is using large text or it's very much like just purely verbal or you work with the teacher to do Braille stuff. Uh, And aside from that, also, like they were very like inclusive. Um, They had me participate in like sports day and they had me like, do you want to come do Taiko with us? So I would do taiko with them, um, do PE class with them, um, always, always inviting me to do things. And I was always just super happy to to take part and, and interact with the kids. And, and by the time I left that school, like there were multiple times that I was just like about to tear up and just, you know, start bawling. But, um, y- you know, it was just for me as as an individual a person with a visual impairment like it was really motivating um as well but it was also just really rewarding from the standpoint as a teacher
1: yeah yeah that's that's what i mean you ta- you kind of described the dream school that every jet wants to have right one that you're included in everything and you get a chance to do a lot and uh, you really connect with people yeah Um, well i should say it's teachers that want to be a teacher in japan there's a lot of teachers that don't add that as well but yeah the ones that want to have you know a meaningful time that sounds like what you had that's really cool yeah yeah. Uh, i i guess just in the the class situation i mean Mm -hmm. I know there's different levels of blindness and right. Some people can't mm-hmm. see anything. Some people can see a little bit. Uh, so do you, do you? Do you? Is there any kind of do you do like more audio stuff? Like more audio, like you know, a dog sound or something to like teach dog words or something? I'm just guessing what you might do. I don't know. Is there any kind of interesting
2: things you did to kind of get the vocab points across? Um, well, really, it was a lot of um, uh, verbal stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I think that on the whole. Um, the, the level of the teachers for uh, English, at least, was quite a bit higher than um, a lot of the teachers in my other schools. Um, there yeah, was yeah. one um, teacher, she was, I believe, totally blind, but she had studied either high school or university in the US. And she was like, basically fluent. Um, and the other two were also highly proficient. So on the whole, like, I, I got the vibe that the level of the classes were just higher. Um, We would always start the classes with singing in English um, and they would be like pop songs, um, like the mamas and the papas and just, you know, various songs that that sometimes the teachers would pick out um, and I would work with them. I would memorize them too. We would all sing and we would talk about interesting things in the songs. We would have conversations about what we did in the day related to cultural things. So it was a lot more active in trying to, to get the kids to speak a lot more. You know, if I knew a kid loved to to, uh loved puns I would include a lot of puns in our like little riddle games stuff like that um so you know when I could I would make large print you know worksheets for them for those kids that yeah. could use that otherwise you know it was a lot more you know verbal just a lot of talking and questions and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the kind of stuff you can do when you have a, you're have you working as a real team, right? That's yeah. A good point. You know, when yes. you have a team of, you yes. work with a, a JT that wants to help you and you can yes. make cool stuff for each student, blah, blah, blah. But that's not the case everywhere, guys, exactly. unfortunately. And you got to, you got to, you <laughs> know, play with the hand you're dealt at whatever school you have out there. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But okay, so let's get back to your career path here. Now we're, we got a, we're at University of Hawaii here, rocking mm-hmm. and rolling. What's mm-hmm. next?
2: So. Um, The idea was that maybe with a master's degree, I would be able to get a job teaching Japanese. That was, uh, you know, if given the chance uh, to teach English or Japanese, I just enjoy Japanese more because it's something that by trying to teach it, I end up learning more about it. And that's just kind of I love doing that. But um, what ended up happening is. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't really finding anything here and I didn't want to leave Hawaii, but as I said, it's a lot more competitive here because there are so many more native speakers. And so I started thinking about my options. One thing that I I started doing was maybe I should go into speech pathology. That's what I thought. Um, you know, it has the linguistic background. I get to help people. Um, it's a much more stable job than, you know, like language teacher. (laughs) Um, and, uh, so I start taking prereqs for that and i i end up doing the interview for that uh i didn't get it um i don't know why um they don't really tell you i thought the interview went well i was doing well in all the prereqs uh but a few months before i do the interview and all that stuff i start japankyo.com i'm writing articles i'm translating like uh japanese news into english uh and uh and then from a friend that is still at the university of hawaii she was a phd candidate she she hears about someone that is uh Trying to start an English language magazine uh, related to Japan. And uh, so she tells me about that. And uh, I think, all right, I'll give it a shot. You know, I hadn't considered um, being a, a magazine writer or an editor, but the topic seems interesting. So I'll give it a shot. And uh, the interview for that went really well. The owner um, just really enjoyed talking to me. He enjoyed the website that I was doing. Um, he, he liked the silly stories that I was writing. Um, he, he, I guess he liked my background and uh, he hired me. And I've, I've been doing that for about three years now. Um, you know, things are crazy right now with Corona and all that, but I'm still there. And um, it, it's been a wonderful, wonderful job that's given me so many opportunities to meet all kinds of people like, like, like uh, Kei Nishikori, like I got to interview him, you know, like it it's just all kinds of like unexpected things that I, when I was even like in jet or before then, I never would have imagined that, that like, this is like one place I would end up, right? <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like you kind of, here's the, here's the thing. Like you, you unlock this, you know, a big problem people have is after JET is what do I do, right? Does uh-huh. my JET experience matter? How do I still work in Japan? Like, you know, work in Japan kind of, even though you're back in your home country and you kind of made it happen. Mm-hmm. So let's see, how could we help people recreate your, your success though is the problem, right? So was it, yeah. is it networking as I hear so many times on the show or does it just keep your options open? What kind of advice do you give people to kind of find their next thing after they get back to their home country?
2: Well, um I mean if I trying to look at my own experiences just objectively, I think it's that I it's 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 uh, those things, all those things that you mentioned, right? Networking. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was nice to this person. This person is a good friend of mine. I met a lot of wonderful people in graduate school. I always try to be a nice person, uh, not a bad a-hole or you know, whatever, you know, just even if I don't like the person, you know, I'm just cordial. So you never know. Right. You never know what can come from those kinds of connections. But two, also like. Yes, I was writing very silly stories like Japankyo.com at the beginning was just me trying to find like the silliest, oddest Japanese news stories that hadn't been translated into English yet. And I found many and they got cited by, you know, like the Sun and Sora News and a whole bunch of other places. But like, even though the content was silly, it was still something that I could put on my resume like I uh, that. You know, I was translating these stories, my ability to find stories that would, to some extent, go viral. But, you know, like all this stuff is is stuff that ended up paying off when I found this job, right? So um, even though, like, I don't think I had the most clear clear career path because i was just kind of i want to study japanese so i'm going to study japanese <laughs> like that was kind of my mentality um it, it all thankfully and I'm, I'm extremely thankful for for everything that has happened but it all ended up kind of clicking together so my, my advice really is you know keep trying stuff like even if it, it, you may not think that it, it it's going to lead to something if you can somehow spin it to sell yourself later on then that's an asset right you know that may yeah. it may be an asset that you won't expect will serve you at some point later on right
1: yeah yeah like just yeah if, you, if there's anything you could do like put yourself out there create something yeah uh, even if he's not like you know you're going to get a, a you know 10 million listeners on a podcast if you just have a podcast to even show what kind of person you're about you're kind of talking to people skills you know that kind of stuff and a podcast as you probably know is the best way to meet people on the planet i mean oh, yeah. i'd say there's <laughs> there's many ways to do, to meet people and you know you did a blog first i know mm-hmm. uh but yeah there's no better excuse to saying, hey, can I talk to you than having a podcast, right? Absolutely. Like you can't, you can't do that without a podcast. You can't talk to, you know, people and just say, hey, can I talk to you for half an hour? It doesn't work like that. You know, that's yeah. not, <laughs> that's not the world we're in, but Absolutely, there's yeah. many ways to get yourself out there and find, you know, and you know, that's a good way to network when it's not, you know, you can't go through the normal channels of like job fair, job fair, job yeah. conference, you know, that kind of stuff, you know? So yeah, yeah. that's really cool. And I'm going to make sure we say like, you did start japenkyo.com with kind of what was your thinking there? Was this part of the master plan or was it just, hey, I want to do something fun for myself?
2: Not at all. It was just um, I had some extra time because... Um, I was doing the prereqs for the speech pathology, which gave me more time than graduate school. and graduate school, I had very, very little extra time. So I, I wanted to do something to just keep my Japanese polish to keep translating. And because I, I saw that there was a gap, there were I was seeing stories that were not getting translated. And so I just thought, I'll give this a shot. I have no idea. Like, will this turn into something? No idea. But I just gave it a shot. And, and thankfully it's been, you know, that led to the podcast and I've loved doing the podcast. And, uh, now I'm here talking to you. So, Hey, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, and also the yeah, another thing about make, putting your translations out there. That yeah. is a great thing to link for your resume and stuff. Like I've done this, even if it's something mm-hmm. stupid, like yeah. you, know, you did, you did news stories, but you can do anything out there and say, mm-hmm. Hey, this is an example of my translation. And There you go. Absolutely. And I know, personally, from translation people, they don't actually always read what you write. So even if you, uh, you know, translate something 10 years ago and it sucks now, still put it on there because something you did translate, even though, obviously, it's best to have it up up to date and make sure all your best stuff is on there. But if you're just starting out, sometimes you don't have that much to put on a resume. So anything counts, even if you translate some, you know, love novel you found at the... 100 yen stores you know? so <laughs> yeah
2: it's all little all by little it represents. all adds up yeah right?
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so yeah. that's cool yeah so let but let's talk about your podcast a little bit what kind of yeah. is your your overall theme there what do you kind of what are you trying to convey there on uh, your japan station podcast
2: so japan station it's it's a pun right on radio station and train station and so i throw in some train station noises there uh but um it's, it's an interview podcast and uh thankfully you know like it it like doing a podcast is something that was like somewhere in the back of my head for a long time, but it it really wasn't something that I decided to do until I was already at Wasabi Magazine doing the editor job. Uh, because I as part of my job, I was interviewing people just constantly, right? All kinds of people from, you know, well-known people to just your local business owners uh, in Japanese, in English, you know, just all kinds of people. And so I thought, you know what, like I'm already interviewing people. Um, I have this website, so maybe a good way to kind of keep growing this and and also just have fun is to do my own podcast. And so I've, I've gotten to talk to all kinds of people and um, a couple of the interviews that I've done for Wasabi were also, I was also able to use for uh, Japan Station. Like I talked to the singer Crystal Kay, um, like the creator of Usagi Ojimbo Stan Sakai. Those were all for articles in Wasabi, but I was able to use the audio for Japan Station uh mm-hmm. so yeah i release two episodes uh, a month usually on the 1st and the 15th and uh, you can find all that stuff at japanstationpodcast.com i also do another podcast Ichimon japan on that one it's me and my friend from graduate school we ask like silly questions like uh do japanese people have longer intestines than westerners and i do a lot of research to like give you the answers to those kinds of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Very important question. Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: We've all wanted to know that one, yes. I think, at some point in our life. So I'm not going to spoil it here, by the way. Just go listen to the show and hear it out. But yeah, yeah you can find Tony stuff, JapanKyo.com, spelled like, today, like you know, as it would be spelled in English, K-Y-O.com. So go check that out. Um, so yeah, Tony, I guess to kind of sum it up, though, um, yes, of course, I will... You might hear me on his podcast as well. There might be a link right now in the show notes page, com, but you'll find out later. But uh, Tony, so what kind of advice do you give people that are just going out, i like to end with this question these days, is about to start their Japan journey? Uh, you know, what kind of advice would you give them to kind of make sure they get the most out of it uh, no matter
2: what they want to do? Uh, well, what I would say is um, always try to be doing something. And, and what, what I mean by that is, uh, like, so odds are that you will have a lot of extra time. So uh, what I was doing a lot of the time was studying Japanese and my Japanese was already at a pretty good level but I just kept going and kept going and kept going and so I'm totally certain that that helped me But even if it's not studying Japanese, maybe you can study, you know, something else. And even if that doesn't end up being the course you're taking, it's better than, you know, not doing anything and just sitting at your desk. Right. So, you know, try to take those extra opportunities you can to do something that maybe, 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 maybe might be productive in the future. Right. That maybe you can put on your resume that maybe will help you out in some unexpected way.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a good mm-hmm. point for sure. And mm-hmm. also, you know, now that I've been in, I've been in Japan 10 years, my time is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. My biggest regret, I'll tell you right now, is that I didn't use those first couple of years to do anything except enjoy Japan, right? And I know right. it's not bad. And that's it's good. you should that's take important. some time. Yeah. That's important. You should take some time to do that. But mm-hmm. you you know, you could probably do it in a year, you know, yeah. not not 4 or 5. You know, start studying Japanese as soon as you can because you'll thank yeah. yourself later. Mm-hmm. Start, you know, networking outside of just the people that go drinking with you. Uh, You know, it's tough to think about that. But yeah, Tony, awesome stuff. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk again in the future. But yeah, keep it rocking and rolling and good luck to you in the future. Thanks, James.
0: I really hope you enjoyed today's Inside Japan podcast. Dive deeper into our world and learn more about what awaits you. Check out altinsider.com and for regular up-to-the-minute job postings, check into jobsinjapan.com For the next big gig, please tune in for our regular excursions into the world of Japan and good luck! Gambate.